morning, everyone. Again, my name is Cindy Wagner. I'll be reading today's scripture from Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Follow there on your Bibles or up on the screen. Again, that's Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs above yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is God's word for us. That's great. Thanks, Cindy. She's a really good reader, isn't she? Super cool. So uh, July 1st, 2001, Krista and I uh, set sail with uh, some friends of ours, Tom and Jill Boyce and Tim Shaw, uh, on the San Francisco Bay, which if you know anything about sailing is apparently kind of a challenging place to sail, uh, or at least it's a great place to sail because the wind blows there all the time. So we set sail out of a harbor in Berkeley, and uh, Krista thought that we were just going on a sailing trip. Uh, but what she didn't know is that I had planned this whole thing out and uh, that we were not simply going to go for a, a day trip in a boat out to, uh, out to Angel Island, but uh, that uh, I was going to ask her to marry me. And so we sailed out to the island, and she has no idea. She's like, why are they taking so many pictures? And uh, we <laughs> went out to Angel Island, and we docked there. And then I was like, hey, you want to, like, let's go for a walk. Let's go up to the top of the hill. And she's like, okay, that sounds great. And so we, um, we start walking down the dock, and we start to get on the trail. And she's like, wait a minute. It's like, shouldn't we invite them to come with us? And I was like, no, nah, I don't think they want to come. They're not really big hikers. That's probably fine. No, really, like, that's rude. We should at least invite them. So I'm like, okay. So we go back to the boat, and these three friends of ours are like, I'm like, hey, would you like to go for a walk with us to the top of the hill? And they all know what's going on. They're like, ah, oh, no, we're happy here just sitting in the boat. I was like, see, Krista, I told you they wouldn't want to go. So we walk up to, uh, uh, to the top of this hill, and everything was great. There was even like a deer watching. And, and I know, right? Like, wow. Um, and I got down on a knee. And this is when I discovered, and so did Krista, uh, that when I get really nervous, my face twitches. <laughs> so apparently my face was twitching the whole time that I asked her to marry me. And so... Um, and these are some pictures from that day, and, and we got back to the boat, and our friends had, uh, had opened a bottle of champagne for us, and, uh, and uh, if you come over to our house, you can still drink from these champagne glasses that are from our, um, from our engagement day, although we never drink champagne, so um, they're collecting dust. But super fun. We, uh, we set sail on that day, and it was so much more than just a day on a sailboat, Right? It was actually the beginning of a giant adventure filled with challenges and celebrations and good times and difficult times together. It was the beginning of this adventure called marriage. We're setting sail at Christ Pacific 
on an adventure. And my invitation to us as a church over these next four weeks is to set sail. Let's set sail together. Now, there's a couple of introductory comments I want to make before we get into the text that Cindy uh, read. And uh, a couple of those comments begin with some uh, fancy words. Now, uh, pneuma is a Greek word that means wind or spirit. Same thing. Uh, ruach is the Hebrew word that means wind or spirit. It's the same word uh, in those two languages, wind or spirit. And uh, I just want to demonstrate something uh, for you here this morning. Um, I don't know if this is actually going to this is actually going to turn on. Yeah, but uh, do you guys know what this is? Yeah, this is called a pneumatic tool. And um, now you know why it's called a pneumatic tool, right? Because it's a tool that's pa- powered by pneuma. It's powered by air. It's powered by wind. I don't think it's powered by the Spirit, but uh, it's powered by wind. And so, you know, it's got a safety feature on here, so no big deal. There's a little piece of wood here. so, um, But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything if it's not connected to the hose, right? Like it's a pneumatic tool. So this tool without air is powerless. This does nothing. It's totally useless. But um, I actually spent a good portion of this week uh, putting some trim up in our, in our condo. I took the week off, and, and uh, that was my staycation was uh, trimming. Uh, super awesome. So I actually used this tool. It works really good. You connect it to the air, and, like, it's super effective, right? Just like you can nail, oh, you can nail all sorts of stuff. No, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. This is a pneumatic tool. It's powered by pneuma. It's powered by ruach. I don't know why they didn't call it a ruach tool. Uh, it's powered by wind, powered by uh, the Holy Spirit. Right? Don't touch that, though, later, okay? So in Greek and in Hebrew, the word for wind is the same word as the word for spirit. How many of you are sailors or sail a little bit? You have a little bit of experience sailing, a few of you? Yeah, okay, so... Uh, one thing that you know better than the rest of us is uh, sailing without wind is super boring. Um, I think that's called yachting or, some, or powerboating or something like that. Uh, you need wind in order to sail. Just like this pneumatic tool doesn't work without pneuma, so sailing doesn't work without wind. No wind, no sailing. At Christ Pacific Church, I'm inviting you, I'm inviting us together to set sail which is all about being filled by the wind of God, the Spirit of God. It's all about being equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. No wind, no sailing. No spirit, no setting sail. That's where we're going for the next four weeks. We're going to talk about uh, the wind today. Next week, uh, we're going to talk about installing trim in my condo. No, wait, we're going to talk about (laughs) trimming the sails. I'm learning all sorts of sailing terminology here because I'm not really a sailor. But I'm going to set sail with you, and so I'm going to become a sailor. We're going to talk about trimming our sails, which is effectively about character formation. We're going to talk about the crew. Okay, Everyone on the sailboat is part of the crew, and everyone's role is important, and everyone's role counts. So we're going to talk about the crew, how to sail together as a crew. And then ultimately we're going to talk about the mission. Like what, where are we setting sail to? To where are we setting sail? Where are we going? What is the mission 
we're on. Are we just out for a pleasure cruise on the bay, or are we actually doing something significant? So this is where we're going for the next four weeks, and uh, I would like to pray. So would you, uh, would you do that with me? Gracious and living God, thank you that your promise in Scripture is that wherever two or more are gathered, you are there present. And uh, I see more than two people here, and so we are gathered in your name, and we trust that indeed you are here, you are present, you are active, you are moving, you are alive. So would you move and have your way this morning? I do ask God that the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth, that all of this would be pleasing to you. We acknowledge that unless the Lord builds his house, his laborers labor in vain. So God, we long for you to build your kingdom, for you to build your church, for you to be the wind in our sails that propels us forward. Do this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, a little context here in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. So in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, which we just read from, the whole first half is Paul telling the church, telling the Ephesians, telling us about the gift of Jesus Christ. And I read a portion of that between a couple of worship songs earlier this morning, that though we were dead, God in his rich mercy has made us alive together with Christ. That's the good news, that we are saved by grace, not by works. It's a gift. And Paul spends the whole first half of his letter to the church in Ephesus telling them and telling us the gift of the gospel. It's all a gift. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he shifts gears and he begins to talk about our response to the gift. And so Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1, he says, Therefore... In light of all of that good news, in light of the grace you've been given and shown, therefore, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Therefore, live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. How do we do that? How do we live in a manner that is appropriate for the calling we have received? What does that look like? And Paul says a lot of things in Ephesians, and one of the things he says is, well— Do not get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. This is one of the ways that we respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, not the spirits. You see what I did there? Yeah, I was working on that for a while. Now you get it, right? Thank you. You're welcome. Sometimes we call that a Dean joke. (laughs) 
Listen to this brief story. It's a warm summer day at the lake. The water looks cool and inviting. You push your boat off the shore, pick up the oars, and begin to row over to the other side. After a while, what seemed like a warm day begins to feel hot. Pulling at the oars, your arms begin to tire, and the other shore looks farther away than when you started. You stop for a moment to rest, and as you wipe the sweat off your face, you see a sailboat on the lake, not too far off. It's skimming across the water, almost dancing with the wind. The sailboat is coming in your direction. You admire its graceful movement. As you pick up your oars again, you wonder what it would be like to sail. Relying on our own strength, our own wisdom, our own resources is the discipleship equivalent of rowing a boat. Sailing is the discipleship equivalent of being filled with the spirit of the living God. Right? One is all about the strength we can muster and as hard as we can pull as we sweat like crazy and work our brains out. But sailing is all about putting up the sails and, and trimming them in just the right way so that you can catch the wind and, and let the wind propel you as you skim across the water. What we're doing here is we're setting sails so that we can skim across the water. So how do we live under the influence of the Spirit? What's our part? You know, how do you go be filled with the Spirit? Right, ready? Go. Go be filled with the Spirit. What does that look like? What is our part? Do we simply sit back and wait for the Spirit to fill us? No. I don't think that's what we do. If you think about it, even, you know, it says, do not be filled with wine. Even drunkenness requires intentionality. Right? You have to acquire the wine. And then you have to make a choice to drink the wine. It's not a passive experience. There's actually quite a bit of involvement on our part. And so it is with being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit, it's kind of like the discipleship equivalent of driving with a full tank of gas. Right? No gas, no getting from point A to point B. Right? We're all, like, if there's no gas, there's got to be gas in the tank. And so what do you do? Do you just sit back and relax and wait for your gas tank to get filled? Like, no, you find the nearest gas station. You pay attention to the gas gauge. You go up to the pump. You pay with a credit card. You choose which level of octane you're looking for. You put the pump in. You fill it up. And there's all kinds of intentionality that goes with driving with a full tank of gas. Even though ultimately we're dependent on the tank to be full, right? Setting sail under the power of the Spirit, is sort of like driving with a full tank of gas. The gas propels, fuels the engine, and there's still a sense in which we partner and participate in intentional ways to get the gas in the tank. Of course, another way to think about it is being filled with the Spirit is the discipleship equivalent of sailing. You need wind to sail. No wind, no sailing, right? So do you just sit back and relax and wait for the wind to blow? And then when the wind begins to blow, do you just sit back and relax and watch as the wind blows? Well, those of you who sail know absolutely not. There's all kinds of intentional participation that goes on. You've got to set your sails. You've got to work together. You've got to take intentional actions to catch the wind. Okay. 
Because listen to this, I worked on this for a long time too. Because the strongest gale will be of no avail unless you set your sail. Huh? You're welcome for that. The strongest gale will be of no avail unless you set your sail. All right, some other dude said it way better. Borden of Yale. It's not the gale, but the set of the sail that determines the way that we go. Right? Without wind, we get nowhere. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, nothing's going to happen. Unless the Lord builds his house, his laborers labor in vain. The Lord does it. But it's the set of the sail that actually determines the momentum and the direction of our movement. So, what is the discipleship equivalent of setting our sails? You know, that all those intentional actions that are required by sailors in order to actually catch the wind. What are those things? Well, let's turn to the scripture and unpack that question. What is actually involved? So again, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. I split this up, this text, because um, hidden behind the English is some grammar that's actually important in understanding this text. So the main point here is be filled with the Spirit. That's the main sentence. That's the main clause. That's the main command, if you will. Be filled with the Spirit. And then each of these four clauses that come after are dependent clauses. They all depend on the be filled with the Spirit clause. So be filled with the Spirit as you do four things. As you sing songs, as you make melody in your hearts, as you give thanks, and as you be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's a simple way to sort of see that matrix. Be filled with the Spirit as you worship together, as your character is formed, as you embrace a life of gratitude, and as you humbly submit to the Lord and also to one another. Be filled with the Spirit and this is what it looks like. This is the intentional action on our part. As you worship together, like you all made intentional decisions to get here this morning. As you work on the formation of your own character, as you choose an attitude of gratitude, I'm sorry, that's super cheesy, but it's real, right? And as you humbly submit to one another. So these are the four things we're going to look at for the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes or so. So first of all, worship together. Be filled with the Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. What is the Apostle Paul saying here to the church in Ephesus and to the church in Huntington Beach? He's saying a couple things. First of all, he's saying worship together. All of these verbs are plural. It's all being addressed. Paul is addressing the community of believers together. He's not talking to individuals. He's talking to the community. And so he says, community, Christ-specific church, all of you together, be filled with the Spirit and sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, plural, not just among yourself. Like, do all this on your own, absolutely, but worship together together. Also, this is so important. Together, together, together. In Hebrews 10, 
The author says, let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Right? Let's not neglect meeting together, but let's be intentional about encouraging one another and provoking one another to love and to good deeds. Apparently, some people in the first century had a habit of attending Bedside Baptist on Sunday mornings. You know, it's, not, it's not a dig on Baptists, just they're both bees. Works out. I couldn't think of one for like Episcopalians or <laughs> Methodists or non-denominational. But some of you are now working on that and will tell me afterwards, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, it's something else. Apparently, according to the Apostle Paul here, that there's something powerful about singing as well. And uh, was it Josh or Dean? They already have said this this morning. There's something powerful about singing. Something specific about singing in worship that is powerful. Now, Krista, my wife, she knows all of the lyrics to all of the songs that she grew up with. And it's not because she has a photographic memory. It's because there's a way in which when you sing things, it just gets embedded in your mind and in your heart. There's a way in which the power of music and singing makes an imprint on your mind and on your heart. And so we're told to worship in singing, to actually sing. Now, some of us are really good singers, and some of us are not. That's not the point. The point is to sing. It doesn't say sing well. It just says sing. Right? In the Psalms, it doesn't say make a beautiful noise to the Lord. That's Josh and the team's job to you know, guide us by providing the context with a beautiful sound to the Lord. For the rest of us, we're all just supposed to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Right? It doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to be joyful. Joyfully singing. One of the residents at, um, at a senior center living facility that, um, that I had the pleasure of working with in Buckley when I was a pastor in Buckley, Washington, uh, one of the residents there was completely nonverbal. And we would go there once a month and host a worship service, and we would sing songs, and, and I would deliver um, the good news of Jesus Christ. And this one particular nonverbal resident could sing all of the hymns. She didn't speak at all. But when we sang, she just joined in and she just sang her heart out. Now, I, I'm not a professional in that area. I don't totally understand what's going on. But what I do understand is there was a sense in which singing spoke to her soul. And she could recall those experiences. And, and even though she never spoke, she sang in worship. There's a power in singing. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing and make melody together among yourselves. Together. Secondly, character formation. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. Singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts. What does it mean to make melody to the Lord in your hearts? Do the meditations of your heart sound pleasing to the Lord? Is the song that your heart is singing, is that melody to God's ears? This is all about character formation. This is about forming and shaping and transforming our hearts 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say much more here because next week is going to be all about this, about character formation as the discipleship equivalent of trimming the sails of, well, I'll say more about that next week. Character formation is the melody, is the music of your heart pleasing to the Lord. Third, gratitude. The Apostle Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. For everything? Come on! At all times? I really wish that Paul would not have said that. I really wish that he would have said, give thanks to God the Father most of the time and for most of the things that you experience in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he doesn't. He says, everything. Give thanks. What, is that, what does that even mean? To give thanks in all things. To me, this is the kind of gratitude that doesn't depend on circumstances. It's the kind of gratitude that comes from a deeper place than simply good things are happening to me, for which I'm grateful. Right? Rooted in this deep appreciation for how the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him. So that even in the midst of difficult things, we can access gratitude because the Spirit of God is at work in our hearts, molding us and shaping us so that we can, even in the midst of difficult things, give thanks to the Lord because we know and trust that He is good and that He is somehow going to work things out for the good of those who love Him. And I don't mean or want to trivialize any kind of painful experience that you may have had a long time ago or recently. I'm not suggesting that we should ignore our feelings or that we should just put a happy face on and pretend that everything is okay. That's not gratitude. That's just fake. This is about a deep sense of gratitude because God is good. And even though we don't necessarily understand, we know that somehow he's working things out for the good of those who love him. That's from Romans 8, 28. This is the attitude of gratitude. You know, as cheesy as that is, it's, it's not just giving thanks for the good things that happen to us. It's giving thanks in all things. It's about having this kind of posture toward life and toward others and toward the Lord, a posture of gratitude. There was a Gallup poll recently uh, about um, what are the happiest places, the happiest nations on earth, and and uh, there was one, uh, one of the questions in this poll was all about um, which nations had the highest positive experiences. Which places in the world, which nations had the highest positive experiences? And do you know that three of the top five nations that had the highest positive experiences were in Latin America? The poll claims that it's kind of reflective of the cultural tendency in Latin America to focus on life's positives. Three of the top five came from countries that struggled in so many ways. And yet they demonstrated that they had some of the highest positive experiences, perhaps because they were able to focus on life's positive experiences. I wonder if there's something that these Latin American countries know about gratitude that we could learn. Gratitude. Humble submission. 
This is the last one. Be filled with the Spirit, submitting to one another or being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, some of you are wondering why I have included this verse, verse 21, when in most of our Bibles, verse 21 is actually a new section all about husbands and wives and how they are to relate to one another. So why did I include verse 21? And if I did include verse 21, why didn't I include verse 22 and 23? Well, here's why. This verse, submit to one another or be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is verse 21 in Ephesians 5. This verse is both grammatically and theologically connected to the whole be filled with the Spirit verse back in verse 18. So submit to one another is a dependent clause that depends on the initial command, which is be filled with the Spirit. It's just like the other commands to, um, uh, to, be, to give thanks to the Lord in all things, to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. It's just like those phrases, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's technically grammatically connected to the be filled with the Spirit bit. It's also theologically connected. Here's why. Because living a spirit-filled life is inherently a life of humble submission. Submission to Jesus Christ, of course, but also submission to one another. Why? Out of reverence for Christ. A spirit-filled life is inherently a life of submission to our Lord Jesus Christ, I know that, that that word has a lot of baggage and a lot of negative connotations with it. And all of that baggage and all those negative connotations are not implied by the Scripture, are not in mind when Paul gives this teaching. But submit to the Lord and also submit to one another. James 4 says this. He says, uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. You see, God gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit yourselves to God. Humble submission to God. This is all about saying, God, your will be done, not mine. That's submission. God, your will be done. I won't insist on my will. I will submit to your will. And it also is submitting to the interests of others, not just my interests. So Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4 says this. Well, it doesn't say this, but if we read it, this is what we read. Sorry, that was a, that was a weird comment. <clears throat> Ephesians doesn't say anything. It's written. Uh, anyway, never mind. Okay, sorry. All over the place. Here's what it says in Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. This is about submitting to the interests of others. This is about saying, I am not going to insist on my way. I'm actually going to be open to your way. I'm going to consider your needs and your interests as more important than my own. This is what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And all of that is in this same sentence, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit as you worship together, as your character is formed by the Spirit, as you adopt a posture of gratitude, and as you humbly submit 
to one another. These are the, the sails, if you will, that we can put up and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. This is our intentional part of being filled with the Spirit. So again, what do you do when your gas, your gas tank is empty? Do you just sit back and relax and wait for the gas tank to get filled? No, you actually go and you get your gas tank filled. You fill your gas tank. What do you do when you hop in a sailboat with a crew and you go sailing? Do you just sit back and wait for the wind to blow? No, you actually take intentional action and you work together in order to set and trim your sails at the appropriate angle to catch the wind. It's not passive, it's very active. And so what can we do together as we pursue setting sail under the power of the Holy Spirit? We can worship together. What you're doing here this morning is such a vital part of growing and setting sail. We can worship together. We can pay attention to the formation of our character. And again, a bunch more on that next week. We can adopt a posture of gratitude. And we can also humbly submit. We can say, God, your will be done, not mine. And you know, we can say that to one another as well. I'll consider your interests as more important than my own. I will submit to you out of reverence for Jesus Christ. What happens when everyone in the room submits to one another? I wonder what it would look like if, if it kind of became like a competition, you know? Like, like uh, who's going to walk through the door first, right? And you've all have had this experience, right? Like you first. No, you first. No, no, really, no, go ahead, you first. No, 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 you, no, you, you first, please go. No, actually, you, please go first. No, no, I insist, I'll open the door, you first. It could get ridiculous, but what would happen if all of us submitted to one another out of reverence for Jesus Christ? That would be a beautiful thing. Here's the last thing I'm going to say this morning. This is an invitation and an encouragement that I'm going to give uh, to you each and every Sunday for the next four Sundays. How can we set sail as a church? I'm going to invite you to raise, I'm going to invite us to raise at least three sails. The prayer sail, the serving sail, and the giving sail. Together, what would it look like if we prayed and served and gave? The praying sail. Here's the invitation. Will you pray earnestly for the Lord to do exceedingly abundantly far more than we could ever ask and imagine by the work of the Holy Spirit that is at work in and through us? The serving sail. Will you generously serve at Christ Pacific in one area of ministry? I'm, I know that many of you do and already do, and I'm so grateful for you. Will all of us generously serve to give our talents, our skills, and our time at Christ Pacific in one area of ministry? Pick one. And then finally, the giving sale. Will you invest your financial resources in the mission of Christ Pacific Church by giving sacrificially and generously. And I know that many of you do, and I'm so unbelievably grateful for you. But this is the invitation to pray, 
to serve, and to give. This is how Christ-specific is going to set sail under the power of the Holy Spirit. When we pray and when we serve and when we give, it's the discipleship equivalent of attaching the pneumatic tool to the air hose, right? Unless it's attached to the air hose, there's no power. Unless the wind of the Spirit is blowing, there's no sailing. So our part is just all about setting sail. It's all about setting the sails, trimming the sails, getting the sails just right, working together. There's all sorts of things that we are invited to do in order to set sail. And this is what I'm inviting you to do, to pray, to serve, and to give. Now, there are going to be several on-the-water sailing discipleship experiences. And I'm inviting you, all of you, any of you, as many of you as are interested in, in this, to sign up for one of these on-the-water sailing experiences with some of our experienced sailing captains. This is going to be May 11th and May 18th. That's two Saturdays from now and three Saturdays from now. At 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., we're going to be setting sail on boats from several different harbors. I think there's one in Los Alamitos, there's one in Long Beach, uh, there might be one in Newport Beach, and there are sign-up sheets on the first table as soon as you go out there. So uh, today, after worship, you're going to do a couple things. You're going to go um, out here, and if you're not in a life group, you're going to explore uh, the life group opportunities. And uh, if you're interested in an on-the-water sailing experience to see how sailing is a magnificent metaphor for discipleship, then you're going to sign up for one of the many opportunities that we have to actually have an on-the-water discipleship experience. Uh, and then also you're going to um, take that insert for Rachel's house. Uh, you're going to take that home and take a good look at that. And if there's things on that list that you can contribute and uh, give to the mission of Rachel's house as we partner with them, uh, then that's a fantastic way that you can give. So there's like a lot of opportunities for you to respond after worship. Friends, I'm super excited to set sail because we were created to sail. We were built for this. If indeed Christ Pacific is a sailboat, we were not built for the harbor. We were built for the open ocean. You and I were built to be empowered by the wind of the Spirit and to follow Jesus into the world, to set sail on this journey, to give and to pray and to serve so that together, we can follow Jesus into the world. That's what we're doing for these next four weeks. Will you pray with me? I feel like I want to say, oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> Jesus, you, uh, you are our captain, our Lord, the master, the good master. Jesus, thank you that when you are at the helm, we are in good hands. Jesus, I pray that your spirit would move, that your spirit would blow, and that you would give us the courage to raise our sails, to not be afraid of 
when the wind catches our sails and, and the boat begins to keel over. But to be invigorated by the movement of the Spirit of God in our lives and in our church. Jesus, we love you. We want to live lives that are pleasing to you. And we want your church, Christ-specific church, to be a reflection of your goodness. To be a vessel of your goodness. So Jesus, have your way by your spirit. Blow wherever you want to blow. We're going to put up our sails. We thank you in advance for the places you'll take us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.